Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head, challenged by their thoughts, the voice in their head, and their beliefs. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Ad Valued Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by the newly released book, The Entrepreneur Mindset Shift, Growth Characteristics of Success by Robert C. Peterson. Available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at addvalue2life.com slash shift. My guest, Christopher Wirth, is a professional speaker, author, coach, podcaster, and trainer. He's the founder and president of both No Quit Living and the Positivity Tribe. Christopher works with sports teams, individuals, schools, and corporations to help improve accountability, effectiveness, and efficiency through his process, The Positive Mental Advantage. As one of the top mental performance coaches, Christopher strives to inspire his clients to take action as they go for their greatness. Christopher has three children, Zachary, Emily, and Mason. Christopher Worth and I discuss how many talk about success leaving clues, but Christopher believes that failure leaves clues and we should be paying attention to those clues. If you want to create a following, follow someone who is doing it and do what they do. He also talks about how we rise when we lift others up. He shares his no quit story and about his new planner to help organize routines. Christopher, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited that you're coming on the show and I can't wait to learn more about you and about the Positivity Tribe and just your mission in uh, serving the world. I appreciate it. I, I love the opportunity to talk about what we're doing, but it's also fun when you're on the other end of a podcast as the preparation is is a little bit less and I think the pressure is also less. <laughs> yes, the, the, the pressure of hosting is far higher than the pressure of guesting. Yes. <laughs> I will agree with that. So you started out as a as a, a a sports coach, an athletic coach. And obviously now you've shifted into, you know, business coaching, personal development. Uh, share about that transition. And, and of course, just the entrepreneurial side of that journey. Yeah, that's a great question. I appreciate the opportunity. I played a bunch of sports growing up. I played two sports in college. I played basketball and tennis. And then I coached a boys AU basketball program during the last two years of, of college when I was in during the summers. And I think as an athlete and a competitive athlete, you have some coaching bug or interest or just the the desire to do something because you've been coached for so long. And so I, I started off coaching collegiate basketball when I finished college, my college career. And then I got into the financial world and still have, have an involvement in that today. But what I realized was the coaching perspective, whether it's coaching athletes, basketball players, whether it's coaching a sales team, whether it's coaching your own kids, your family, I think we all have some type of coaching in us and not meaning that we've been coaches, but we've been either coached or mentored, whether it's a boss, a sales trainer, a parent, you know, aunt, uncle, somebody that really kind of leads the way for you. And and I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And ironically, I'm, I'm doing a bunch of coaching now for sales teams, individuals, but have gotten back into college sports through being a mental performance coach. And I just love 
the dynamic of kind of both sides of the of the equation if if you want to you know look at it that way because there's the mental perspective there's the actual physical perspective but then there's everything else that that comes in between and i think the one thing we all have in life is we have experiences and i can honestly say that i've taken a bunch from so many amazing people that i've had in my corner or i've either worked with directly or i've had the opportunity with technology and things where i think the reality is we can connect with people at such a different level today than we could 5 10 15 years ago oh certainly well and and obviously you know electronically you know connections not just aren't limited geographically um, yeah, so anybody that can speak the same language can pretty much connect, you know. At, well, and nowadays with the with the translation, you don't even need to speak the same language as long as you have either a phone or an app. And I know there's certain devices that you just, you know, like if you were speaking Italian, I was speaking English, I would speak into it and then it would translate and speak out to you in Italian. So I, I, I think it's amazing what what's coming. And, and to your point, you know, we're in different time zones right now. And a bunch of my guests, I'm sure yours have as well. That's the amazing part of technology. Well, absolutely. I mean, just just having guests on the show that are in Australia or New England or Canada, even <laughs> you know, since they can't cross the border, you can yeah. talk to them over over a Zoom call. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been crazy to to meet people in the in all these places. But even even meeting people that I would never meet in a networking event or nobody at any of my networking business networking yeah. events here in Denver would introduce me to, you know, some of the people that I've been able to meet. And so, so yeah, I appreciate the technology and what it's, what it's been able to do. Um, when my wife and I lived in South America, my dad and I used to Yahoo chat every wow. Sunday and, <laughs> and I was thankful for Yahoo chat. It seemed like, you know, if we didn't have the internet, it would have been really hard to, to live in South America, but today it's, it's at a whole nother level. Well, it, it, and, but, but it's, it's amazing how just, you, you know, you bring up a point of, of that was obviously years ago and now the technology, but it's a way to, to just stay connected with, with people. But I think the cool thing is, is how you can connect with new people that obviously, you know, you, you're not going to go to a networking event in Canada when you're in Colorado to <laughs> go and vice versa, all different things. So I think the opportunity is there. And, and I always challenge people in a good way is, you know, how are you going to take advantage of of some of these opportunities that are available today that were not available two, three, five, ten years ago? Mm, absolutely. So you mentioned, obviously, coaching and mentoring have, have a lot in common. But how have mentors you know, served you in, in your journey? You know, I, that's a fantastic question question and it's something that I it really hits me in a, in a good way where I can look back right now in my life that I have had so many mentors that I candidly don't think I deserve to be in the same arena with at the time meaning that they were so far ahead and so far down the road in their careers and I'm talking from college basketball coaches to professional speakers to podcasters to authors to you know, so many other entrepreneurs that have been down the road. And I think we all know the idea of success leaves clues. And I love the concept of, you know, so does failure, failure leaves clues. And I think the one thing that a good mentor or a coach will do is they'll shorten the runway. So for example, if, if you were starting a podcast and you knew somebody that had been doing it for three or four years, it doesn't mean that you just ask them two questions and then you're, you know, you're going off and running, 
but having that ability to connect with people in a mentor uh, mentee role and just say, Hey, you know, what are those two or three suggestions or do you have any ideas or what's the technology? And I think the reality is we have all had so many people that have mentored us in different ways. And just to, to go back to the, the question is I, I'm so grateful today for, for some of those amazing people that really, you know, gave me time and, and, and energy and really have poured into me to the point where I'm now fortunate to be able to, to pay back to some other people. And I think that's, that's unbelievable when it comes full circle and you get the opportunity to now pay it back to somebody else that's maybe starting somewhere where you were a year or two or three years ago. Absolutely. Well, and you know, we've heard it said that, you know, when the student's ready, that the master appears, but how, how would you pursue or how would you encourage someone to pursue a mentor in a specific area? Yeah. I, so I, I love that quote that you shared and I think it's so true. But the other thing I would say, which just happened to me is, Going back to something we spoke about a couple minutes ago is with technology today, there's no excuse where you can't connect with someone. Now, obviously, I'm not saying you can get Michael Jordan's cell phone and become best friends with him overnight. But I'm saying within the technology of LinkedIn, of, of YouTube, with obviously with Google and searching certain things, with people who have podcasts, authors, those, depending on what you want to do, there's never been a bigger opportunity to connect with people. And like I said, it doesn't always mean that one-on-one -on -one where you have that time, but it's the ability to get someone's video or content or to get somebody's um, eBooks or those type of things. And I think the the thing I would say to, to anybody listening is if there's somebody out there that is doing something or working in an, in an area or an industry that you're looking to get into, they're, the likelihood of them randomly reaching out to you out of the blue if there's a negative number that I could share, um, I think that would be the number that it would be. So I always tell people that are hesitant and they say, well, you know, I don't want to bother them. And I don't, and I think the, the way in which you connect with people, you know, you ask somebody, Hey, I'd love to pick your brain for five minutes or 10 minutes. would love to ask you a couple of questions. And I think the people that have gotten to a level of success, they know that they've had so many people have helped them. And if you preface that request or question, in a respectful way, I think the the fact for me, so many people have responded in a positive way, and it's just being very specific to your ask, what's specific to how you're asking it. And and for example, if I was reaching out to you, you know, it's not going to be one of these. Hey, do you have seven or eight hours tomorrow? I could take up your entire day, and I know you're you're married and you have kids and stuff. So just you know, put everybody to the side. Obviously, the the response is is probably a. It's probably not going to you know have a response, but b. It's not something that you know, you're going to be open to. But the, the flip side of that coin would be is if I said, hey, do you think you have maybe 10 or 15 minutes over the next week or two where I could just maybe ask you a couple of questions? I really enjoy X, Y, Z you've done or I really think you know, what you've done with this program or podcast. And I think in that space, in that context, people really want to, to help other people. Because, again, going back to what I said, people that I know that are successful, I've had the opportunity to connect with or listen to they all have had multiple people that have helped them at different points in their career or personal life. Well, absolutely. Well, and there's a point, right? If you call me and you ask for seven to eight hours, I'm going to send you an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, there's, but there are, there are other ways you mentioned, um, you know, some of these, some of these people and I, I really loved what you have on your website, like the, oh. you know, the top books that have impacted you, right? These, these are all mentors, right? You have an opportunity to, to listen to, to their voice and, of course, you can you know read their material and and 
you know, so those books that have impacted you is the quickest way to get, you know, obviously we can't connect with Kobe Bryant anymore, but you can, you can read his book and, and learn his mindset and learn, you know, the things that he was trying to share. Yeah. And that's pretty powerful. And to your point, uh, when someone has, has passed on, obviously you're not going to go back to the 10 years, but the thing that with technology, going back to what I said is, you know, there are some amazing content that Kobe has still with, with uh, videos and interviews and things. So it's, it's, at such a high level, but I know people that have shared stories with me and said, Oh, this person was a mentor. And, you know, my eyes kind of open up and I find out that it wasn't that direct one-on-one for multiple years. Maybe they've had a conversation or two, but it was through their, their books or their podcast or their video content. And I know in today's day and age, the technology perspective of, of webinars and different types of zoom meetings and technology was very different than five, 10 years ago, where the only way you could go, for example, see a Zig Ziglar talk would be to buy either a plane ticket, or if you were lucky enough to be relatively close where you could drive and technology's taken that away and, and in the good way. And, and I take it to a next step when I'm coaching people, I always challenge them in a positive way is, you know, who are those people that you want to aspire to be, or who are those companies or entities or those type of entrepreneurs that have taken this to another level? And have you read their content? Have you read their books? Have you followed some of that? And and it's to your point, it's it's free minus the cost of a book um, or an audiobook. And today, I think the the cost uh, is is so minimal to really have that value. Well, and every one of these books is in the library. Yeah, <laughs> I bet eight ninety percent. So if if the cost is prohibitive, get a library card and quit making excuses. That's a, that's a great point. And, and, and to, to follow that up, I, I would say if I was a betting man, that multiple libraries have multiple copies of, of a ton of those books. Well, and, and like you mentioned, the content on YouTube, there's a ton of free. You can search for every one of those authors and find videos and, and content that they've put out on uh, that are available on YouTube to watch and, and learn from. It's, it's kind of like choosing to learn a language, right? You, you make the decision, well, I'm, I'm going to learn a language. And, you know, there's opportunities to to use it, to make it happen. And unless you're very intentional about it, <laughs> nothing nothing will change. No, and, and to your point about the, the language, there are so many apps that are available now and so many free apps. And a friend of mine was sharing that, I believe it's Duolingo, the app. They have these live uh, having, I believe she was talking about different type chat rooms where you can actually speak to other people. So I, I think, again, going back to technology is it, it lowers the excuse where you can say, I can't do it. I can't afford it because a lot of the stuff that we've mentioned, it, it's A, it's taking excuses away, but B, a lot of times it's taking the cost away completely. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about building your audience. What what has been, what was the most effective? What, what do you suggest when it comes to, to building an audience and reaching more people? That's a, a tough question because unless you're a multi-million follower type, type entity or person, I would say for me, the, the biggest two things have been number one, consistency. So whatever platform you're on. And I think the one thing that a lot of people fall fall victim to is the, uh, the concept of being everywhere at all times. And, and I don't mean that where you have to have just one thing that you do, but the reality is you can't be on Clubhouse and Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and Snapchat and TikTok and YouTube all at the same time. 
Some of them, obviously, you can combine together. But then the other thing I would say, which really helped me a lot, is the vulnerability of just sharing personal either stories or content or things that have impacted you. So going back to the reference that you showed before about books that have impacted me, I've done a bunch with those type of books. I've actually been very fortunate to have now relationships with many of those authors. And it's because of the value that I got from a book or a course. And going back to my point is, is just that being being honest and open. And when you put out your message and, and uh, messages of consistency, but more importantly is what are you trying to do? So if you're trying to be a speaker or a coach or an author, or if you're trying to be more successful in the entrepreneurial space, find one or two of those mentors, as I mentioned, that are doing what you want to do at a higher level and see what they're doing. So for example, if you're following somebody that's had, that has success, you know, going back to what I said before, success leaves clues. So if you see what he or she is doing and, you know, whether it's weekly posts or daily posts or asking questions or engaging, those type of things, then I would say don't copy them in the sense of just, you know, repurpose their material as yours, but copy some of their of their styles, copy some of their of their format, why they're doing it, how they're doing it. And again, it, it's fascinating to me when when people really buy into the idea of success leaves clues and say, I want to emulate this person. And, and I want to just preface real quickly on that is, is it's not wanting to be that person. It's not, okay, I want to be that person, but it's, I want to get to that level or to the level of success or the level of reach or growth or economic return. But it's then taking a step back and saying, how do I do those things? How do I duplicate the successes? And again, going back to my point a few minutes ago is shorten that runway. So if it took you six years to get your podcast and get your business to this level. I'm not saying I just have one conversation with you and I do in six minutes, but it's how do I make that six years, five years or four years? And I think with technology and changes and opportunities, there's never been a a better time, not an easier time. I want to be clear on that, but a better time to, to get more information. And I think we have more resources today than we've ever had. Absolutely. But I appreciate you going back and saying, you know, you can emulate what they're doing, but don't copy their, don't, co- don't try to be them, right? Be you emulating, emulating, you know, that, that person that you're, you're trying to, to follow. You mentioned uh, connection and obviously some of those authors and, and people that you've had on your podcast and people that have influenced you. So let's talk about the value of making connections and, and how, you know, you can make these connections in this day and age. Yeah, you know, the the thing that that stands out to me is the quote unquote connection where somebody reaches out to somebody and it's an ask. It's it's not anything other than that person is expressing to you that they want something from you. And and I want to be very clear, there's nothing wrong with with wanting things in, in life. And but going back to that connection is the opportunity to have a genuine connection with somebody. So for example, you're reading a book or listening to a podcast or enjoy somebody's content on social media. What about letting them genuinely know, hey, just wanted to let you know, I really appreciate you sharing this post. Or last week you mentioned this book, how it impacted you. I went and I bought it and it's fascinating and I gave it to my son or my daughter. That's a genuine connection. Now, what's not a genuine connection is, hey, Really appreciate the post you did last week. So speaking of that, could you, you know, hire me and do this? That's that's not a connection. That's one of those, you know, feeble attempts to to do it. And and a lot of the the connections that I've had 
have been old school where pen and paper grabbing grabbing a piece of note paper or stationery and sending that person a handwritten note because for me and and my clients and my team we always say how can we be different and what's going to leave an impression on somebody is a being genuine but b establishing that relationship and and c is is how do you do something a little bit different so for example using someone that has a big following on social media they probably get inundated with direct messages and they probably get inundated with comments and also, what I know for a fact happens because it's happened and I've seen people and I, I, I know and I'm sure you do is a lot of those people or businesses with large followings, they're not even operating their own social media. They, they may 100% control it as far as these are the messages or these are the, the posts we want to do for the next week or two, but then the actual day to day. So you send that person that ask a request, it, you don't stand out. So that's why going back to some of those old school grab a note. And then the other thing I share with people is it's not a secret, but you can find almost anybody's email address by being creative. So for example, if you wrote a book and in the back of your book, it said, you know, johnsmith.com is your website. I'm going to take a chance that it's either your first name at johnsmith.com or your first dash last name. And, And I've done that with probably 50 people. And I can honestly say that you know, it's like 90% where you can find the address. And and a lot of times on the, on the contact, there might be a staff member or something, and you can see what variations they use. So first dot last name. And my point of that is that goes to being a little different where I'm now sending you an email and it doesn't mean that you're going to respond and, and we're going to have that relationship, but it's being different where that person received 200 DMs or direct messages and their staff or his or her staff took care of it versus three or four personal emails where you're genuinely connecting. And, and I think the genuine connection first and foremost is just letting somebody know you appreciate either their content or their teaching, but it's, it's an opportunity to, to show how you are different in a little way. Yeah. Well, I, I think challenge yourself of how can you add value to them right now, if they're an author and if you're going to tell them that you like their book or you like this and that, and you haven't gone and given them a five-star review, you probably or you, call them up. Or you haven't even, or you haven't even read it. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So definitely, you know, you need to read the book. You need to give them a five-star review and then you need to share. Hey, man, I loved your book. I just reviewed it on Amazon and I just love the chance to connect. <laughs> you know, not to cut you off right there, but that's, that's something that I've done probably to 30 or 40 authors in the last few years is taking a picture of me actually holding their book. And when I, when I go through books and I read them, I underline things. So it's not like just, you know, taking a picture from the web, from the internet and saying, oh, this is your book. But when, when you can send somebody a picture of their book and you have a, um, a passage highlighted or you have a quote or a question, that's, that's been really important for me because that does two things. It, one, it shows the person that, that you've done, you know, the reading, it shows them that you support it, but then it's, it's that connection going back to what you said before is, Hey, I just wanted you to know that when you spoke about this or you spoke about that, it really resonated with me. And, and that just builds a, a stronger connection than sending somebody just a thumbs up or set, or, you know, putting a like on a comment. And going back to what I said is that differentiates you from, I'd say probably 90 plus percent of people out there. Well, and they, and they need the reviews, like, Getting getting a hundred five star reviews on your book on Amazon makes all the difference in the world as far as Amazon's world is concerned. And so, giving five star reviews for books that you love, and if you don't love the book, don't give a review. 
write write the author and say, hey, I I like this about your book, but you know, these are a couple things I didn't like, and and you don't have to slam them with a negative review, yeah. right? You know, that, that if if nothing from this podcast, which I hope people get <laughs> something, but but I think what you just said really resonates with me and and what we do with both uh, No Quit Living the Positivity Tribe, but it's it's the idea that it's okay to not like something. It's okay to not be a fan of somebody in regard to their business or religion or politics or whatever it is, sports teams, fill in the blank. And there's, there's ways to just acknowledge it without having to bash that person or that thing. And, and in today's day and age, it just baffles me how, first of all, people do it anonymously online, but, but secondly, people will, will do it just, you know, out in the open and, and it's the anti hatred and Zig Ziglar, who I had the fortune of, of connecting with before he passed, I got a chance to speak to him a few times. His son, Tom, was on my podcast, but he said something that when I first read it, it, it hit me like a, like a gut punch. As he said, instead of being anti or against something or someone, be for something or someone. And I remember when I first read it, it was actually back during uh, uh, an election period. And, and I just said, you know, I said, this is what we need more in our in our society and not just in the United States, but in the world is it's perfectly OK to have difference of opinions. It's perfectly OK to like one team or one political party or or one business versus another. But instead of knocking or, or personally attacking something or somebody instead, how about you support that team or that or that politician or that business that you like, as opposed to thinking you're supporting let's just say Nike, by coming out and completely bashing Under Armour. It, you don't need to do that. You can just instead, you know, post a picture of, you know, your Nike sneakers you got and say, these are the best basketball sneakers I've had. And, and that's, that's a perfect way to do it as opposed to knocking somebody or something else. Well, and, and obviously sports teams are, are a great example because you, you need the enemy to have success. <laughs> so, so your team can't win the Super Bowl or you know, March Madness if they don't have other teams to compete against. So you can't knock those other teams completely out without so so the, the competition needs each other. Yeah. And 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 I think you know sometimes we got so carried away and now of course th this cancel culture thing is is gone rampant where we want to we disagree with you so we want to cancel you rather than we disagree with you. Let's have a dialogue. Uh, you know, and it's, I'm glad you said that it's a dialogue. It's a conversation. It's not a fight or a battle. And I, I can honestly say some of, some of the most interesting and fun conversations I've had have been a part of where I try to understand the other person's point of view. It doesn't mean that I change my opinion or just say, you know what, actually uh, you're right. I'm wrong, but it's, it's taking that time. And, and I think if, if, we could do that as a as a nation and even as a world is is try to understand as opposed to argue. And at the end of that five, 10, two hour conversation, we might ultimately both be on different sides of the fence still, which is fine. But at the end of that conversation, I should be able to, to understand your two or three points and you should be able to understand my two or three points. And, and that should be it as opposed to, to your point about that cancel culture where it's, well, you're, you're not good because I'm better. And you know, your team is, is not, not as good as mine. And, and I hate your, no, it's just, we have difference of opinions. We have difference of, of things that we like and don't like. And why can't we do it in a more a positive, but be more creative way? Well, and, and we could still be friends and respect each other. 
uh, our entire relationship isn't based on which basketball team I prefer. You know, and, yeah. and, but but as simple as it sounds, I couldn't agree more. But think about this for a second is how boring would it be if everybody liked exact the same thing? You know, there wouldn't be any car colors. It'd be like, OK, everybody loves white SUVs. So the entire country is going to have white SUVs. And, I'm, and I'm pretty sure you just go check it out. But they're all going to shades of gray. So it's pretty much running the gamut. But our cars have switched from color to the the shades of gray from white to black, <laughs> everything, everything and, in between and, and all the colors are going away. And people will soon argue, you know, in the future, there'll be people that want to, you know, go back the other way, but then it's like, all right, so come up with a creative way. And again, to your point, we can still be friends. We don't, we don't need to hate each other because we have difference of opinions. Oh, so powerful. Wow. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, the Entrepreneur Mindset Shift, Growth Characteristics of Success by Robert C. Peterson. Available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at addvalue2life.com. addvalue2life.com forward slash shift. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. All right. So obviously positivity tribe is, is a big deal. We want to talk more about, about that, but I want to hit on the ideas of, of gratitude and contribution and, and how important those are as, as a leader, as, as a, as a entrepreneur, um, how have those helped you? You know, it, it's, it's such a powerful concept and word gratitude. And I think a couple of years ago, I think it was a buzzword where people just say, oh, be grateful and gratitude and, and express gratitude and everything changes. And I think people were just saying thank you as opposed to showing thank you and expressing gratitude and appreciation. And I have a planner that I created. It's, it's out now. Um, a friend of mine, we worked on it for the past two years. And one of the things in, in the planner, it's got a morning and an evening component to it. It starts and ends with with expressing gratitude, but also highlighting or looking for those quote unquote wins. And, and what it's done for me, gratitude is it doesn't make everything unicorns and rainbows and perfect all the time. But I've posted this on social media. A bunch of people that I follow is the, the reality that every single day is not perfect. Every single moment is not amazing. And, and every single day doesn't go thousand percent the way you want it to, or thought it would, or hoped it would. But every single day, you, myself, all of your listeners, we all have something or someone to be grateful for. And instead of focusing always on what is not right and not perfect, it doesn't mean that you disregard and don't care about it. But it means within those dark days, within those rainstorms and thunderstorms, you still take a minute to reflect and say, you know what, I'm grateful for this. And you know, the meeting didn't go well but I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to present my business opportunity or present that potential sale. And I learned from it and now I've practiced from it. And then it's just, it's something that I think we don't do enough, but the value in it. And, and the other perspective is just letting somebody know that you appreciate fill in the blank. Hmm. Appreciate you for this. I appreciate that. Hey, I got your email. I know you're busy. Just want to say thank you. It really meant a lot to me. I know we didn't get the sale, but thank you for letting me know that 
that I did a good job. And I really appreciate those two points that you made that, that I can, you know, work on for next time if they ask those questions. And it's just, it's keeping those, those positives and the, and the mindset of things are, things are, you know, difficult and challenging at times, but it's also within those difficulties and challenges, there's still a, a ton of amazing things to be grateful for. And it's not about listing them and having to have 10 or 12 a day. There's some days where for me, it's just one or two things. And it could be simple as you know, my health and opportunity to work in an office, as opposed to a lot of people don't have that. And I can honestly say over the last few years, focusing more on, on what I do have and who I do have in my life versus focusing on who I don't or what I don't, it's made a, a ton of difference. Absolutely. Well, and so many people felt that way about Norman Vincent Peale's book. I know you're a fan, but the power of positive thinking is is not woo-woo. <laughs> and it's not, and you mentioned folks that are just, you know, oh, they're, they're saying thank you, they're being grateful, but but their spirit isn't. And so you you absolutely have to embrace gratitude and and it 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 comes from your core, from your heart and and then you're putting out a, a completely different vibration. It's elevating you to a completely different level when you're taking that positive viewpoint. And gratitude is the quickest way to to shift that. Yeah. Like you said, focusing on what you do have versus what you don't have is so powerful. Yeah. No. And, and I think to your point, it's it's that positive mindset is not woo woo, but it's not that you know sitting in your in your home or sitting in your office just doing nothing, saying somebody's going to walk into my office and give me a million dollars. That's not, that's not positive. That's that not action perspective. So to your point is it goes back to what you said about staying verbalizing gratitude versus not really showing and feeling. I think that's, that's where I think the disconnect is sometimes. Well, absolutely. Yeah. If you're sitting around thinking it's going to come to you and you're not taking action to make it happen, you're going to wait a long time. Yeah. Gratitude is just a step in the right direction. Yes, um, sets your brain and your body up for success, but without action, it it will it won't last. No, I, I don't know. I, and I, I appreciate you saying that because I think at the end of the day, a lot of people just talk about everything going great and thinking about it. And I don't think enough people focus on, well, what are the next steps? The first and most important part, I think, always are a, expressing gratitude and being appreciative for things or people, but then it's, what are the next steps? It's not just saying it, it's then what do we put into place? Absolutely. So let's talk about the impact of being an author. Um, I also want to talk about the impact of hosting your podcast, but you'd pick which one you want to talk about first. Author. All right. Who's um, author now written a book, a book, a workbook and, or a work, a book, the locker room version and a planner. Yes, two books and a planner. So it's uh, things come in threes. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to to somebody yesterday doing I'm doing a keynote speech in a, in a few weeks and just was a good conversation, a fun conversation. The the woman was asking, you know, how I got into it. And I've been an avid reader for for many years now. And being a author was something that I truly wanted to do. I think a lot of people have a quote unquote book inside them. I had no idea five, 10 years ago what that book was going to be. So it wasn't like I had you know, one specific title, obviously being in the person development um, space, the growth space, I think it was something in that realm. But being an author has, has just opened up a, a ton of opportunities to meet people, to share the message, but to hopefully positively impact people that are having 
difficult times. And, and for me, the first book, The Positivity Tribe, and the second book, The Positivity Tribe in the Locker Room, we took a, a different starting point with the first book and then took the second one into more of a sports-based version, but trying to, again, connect with, with as many people as we can. And, and going back to that message and mission of, of what we do is all about being positive and uplifting people. And we have a saying that we use, we tweak, we, we quote all the time, which is we rise by lifting others up. And I can honestly say, I always believe that I really and truly felt it mentors and other people, but I can, I can say that the impact I've had, the speaking I get a chance to do in schools, middle schools, high schools, colleges, and in businesses throughout the country that message has resonated over the last two years during this pandemic more so than ever. And obviously it was not timed uh, with, with the pandemic coming, but I think the one thing for me is, is we try to impact people every single day and you never know what somebody's going through. So hopefully whether it's a book, a message, a podcast interview, we can inspire that one person to keep going or to maybe give it a go tomorrow when they think that they can't move forward anymore. Mm. Absolutely. Well, and that, and that just goes back to your, to your business, right? No quit living. Yeah. It, it, and, and you talk about, I'll share this because it's, it's a quick fun story, but Norman Vincent Peel, that's where I got my, my company name from no quit living is many years ago. I was a avid quote collector reader. I think at one point I was probably subscribed to five or six quotes of the day emails and my license plate for my last four or five cars is no quit. And I just love, I love that quote. And, and it means, it means a lot to me. And I think it's just the whole idea that if you had put a gun to my head and said, what's, what's your number one mission is I would say, it's really that I don't believe people are, are meant to, or made to just get by in life. Now it doesn't mean billionaire or followers. I, it's not about, it's not my job or your job. I don't think to, to define somebody's success, but as far as just getting by and having every day be like, ah, oh, just like the next day, I don't think that's what we we're meant to do. And and if a quote, a, a book, podcast interview, a post or something can help inspire somebody to, to not give up and keep going, then I think I've done my job. Absolutely. Well, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, right? It's not my job to define somebody's dream or tell somebody, well, you got a 10 exit, you got a hundred exit, you got, you got to double your revenue every, every year for the rest of your no way. Like, like that's not the business I want to design. I, I'm designing my business. That's going to allow me to travel. It's going to allow me to, to spend more time with my grandkids and, and spend a heck of a lot more time with my wife. And so what does it, what does it look like to help somebody design a business around their dream? You know, that, that's a really interesting question. And I can honestly say on the over 200 plus interviews I've had on different podcasts, I've never been asked that. And, and I think the one thing that that we do well, I believe, as a or one of the things that we do well as a company is we really break down what somebody is is going after. And I think we all have quote unquote goals and you know it's around the new year, obviously the big thing is New Year's resolutions and things. But I, I've found it fascinating that when I work with whether it's individuals, sports teams or even businesses, especially entrepreneurs, is asking them, you know, what is that utopia? What does what does your dream look like? And a lot of times people will only have a monetary number. And I want to be very clear. There's nothing wrong with 
with having a monetary goal. But what I always ask is, okay, if we fast forward five years from now, 10 years from now, and you've hit that, let's just say $10 million number, what else in your life or your business would, would you want to look a certain way or feel a certain way? And it's just asking people those very specific questions that I've found a lot of times people have never been asked before. And by being able to, and we do what we call every client, we have an intake form or an assessment. And I think if you charge me or if I charge my clients $10 for all those questions and things within those intake or assessments that I created myself, I'd probably keep maybe $2 of it. And I'd have to give out, you know, the other eight to all those other people's and, and businesses and other coaches that I've worked with, because it's just finding what works, finding what hasn't worked. And then going back to what I've said, probably this is the third time now is success leaves clues. And so is failure. So it's asking that client, you know, what does success look like for you? How do you define success? And, and to your comment, it's okay to have a monetary number. It's okay to have a dream car, a dream house. It's okay to have those dreams where success to you is not a monetary number, but it's, it's you being able to go on two vacations every year to two new places with your family or grandkids. And that's perfectly fine. Then it's wrapping that around the business perspective and saying to get to that level, what do we need to do? And I found that just asking some of those really important questions really get a lot out from, from your clients and just people that, you know, they like to go after something. And I find in this competitive world, it's okay um, where we're going. Mm, absolutely. Well, and just the opportunity to create, what is the, what is the freedom you're looking for? Cause is it, is it money freedom? Is it time freedom? Is it relationship freedom? Which one of those is, is the driver? Obviously you can, you can get pieces of all of them. Um, but, but which one is, is the most important. And, and that, that's, what's going to drive that, that client to, to do the work necessary to, to, to get that dream. Yeah, no. And, and I think it's going back to what I said is just going back to the first question that you asked about the communication perspective and, and the relationship and that connection is, is having that connection with somebody we're saying, you know, tell me a little about this and, and let me understand a little bit more so I can then help you get to that place. Nice. All right. So let's talk about the impact of being a top 50 business podcast. Well, it, the interesting thing, and, and you'll probably appreciate this, is when we first started the No Quit Living podcast, it was business podcast. And that, that's what I had been listening to. And that's what it was geared towards. We then fast forward, had the opportunity to be ranked a top 50 podcast in business, health and self-help. And what I realized was going back to kind of what I just said a little bit is, is having a goal and going after it is, is things don't always go the way you're, you're going after and things don't always go the way that you envision them. And, and it turned into this, I don't want to say complete 180, but definitely we, we switched a little bit and there's been so many amazing people and guests that I've been able to connect with. But what I think the success that's come from it is because we ask some of those really, I want to say easy, but incredibly insightful questions. You know, what does success look like you? What do those look like to you? Excuse me. What are those books or podcasts that you listen to that have really impacted your life? How have mentors impacted you? And then the, the big question we ask is, do you have a no quit story? Hmm. Personally or professionally where you could have given up or given in, but you didn't. And I think it's, it's goes back to the sports world is 
we all want to win. But for me, if I'm watching a sports team, let's just use the NBA, for example, there's 82 games in the regular season. For me, a team that starts off playing amazing minute one goes 82 and 0, they never <laughs> miss a shot, nobody gets injured, nobody gets in foul trouble, and, and everything is perfect, and they win every game by 20 points. I'm probably not going to be really interested. Now, I don't want the the opposite where the team starts and everybody quits and you're 0 and 15 and nobody's at the game. But my point is it's those struggles. It's those opportunities. And I'm not a um, Patriots nor a Bucks fan, but I respected Tom Brady. And when he lost Super Bowls and he tore his, his ACL, and for me it's how do you adapt to those changes and how do you deal with that? fastball when you think a curveball is coming and you're thinking this website's going to launch on a Monday and there's some issue and then now it doesn't launch until a Wednesday. How are you able to, to deal with those challenges? And, and I think from the podcast perspective is asking those questions. I've found just from the feedback I've had from listeners and people that, that listen to the show is, you know, I, I've heard X, Y, Z on different podcasts and I haven't heard him or her define what success looks like to him or her. I don't know what books have really impacted them. And, and that's where I'm super excited because I get to share some of those things with, with my, with my listeners. But candidly, I, I learned so many amazing things and people asked me a, a couple of years ago, you know, how do you get those questions? And I said, I said, let me be completely transparent as I said, I want to, I want to ask the questions that I would like to listen to somebody else on a podcast. So if I was a big fan of yours, and I heard you on a podcast and I'm listening to it. I would want to listen to these questions. So I then took it a step back and said, okay, how can I get those information or get that information, those stories? And it's just been really, it's been really interesting in, in so many ways. I definitely understand. Um, a big part is, is how can I provide the most, I mean, originally it was uh, serving my clients, right? My clients are entrepreneurs. I want to get these people that would never come to a coaching session to help my clients but if I can have them for an hour and I can ask them questions that'll serve my clients in a way, that's, you know, so that's kind of where I started. And, and then the same thing, you research, you know, you research what you can about them and where they're experts and try to ask questions to pull that expertise out, pull that story out. How did, you know, how did they get where they are? I love that you ask them about what books and what podcasts they're listening to, because obviously that was, that was important to me because yeah. I, I, it impacted me a lot that you had this great, you know, these are the books that have, have impacted me. And uh, now that I'm a new author, and so my book's being published as we speak. And so I, I'm starting to understand the author perspective a little more and the value of five-star reviews and and the value of, of hey, if you don't want to leave a review, tell me what I can make, what I can do to make it better instead of destroying me with a two-star review. <laughs> you know, those kinds of things I'm, I, I'm learning and of course, it's just, you know, I want to be in a position to add value rather than take it away. And I know a two-star review takes it away from an author. It hurts them. Well, it, it does. But if I can if I can offer one one piece of advice from the mental performance uh, coaching side is not to embrace and celebrate those one or two star reviews. But what I also realize and I've I've learned a little bit is it's also a percentage based on. So if you have, let's just say, 50 five-star reviews and there's one or two, one or two stars, it, it has no um, impact. But I would say too is, is read that message. And, and 
what does it say? But I think you, you have a really good mindset where you ask those questions and it's, I can tell, I haven't obviously known you that long, but just from the questions you ask of what can I do to improve it? And do you have a suggestion? I think no one likes the idea and, and I dislike the concept of constructive criticism because I speak about this a lot is all that is, is a way to verbalize and have a verbal agreement from somebody else that you can knock them. It's, it's, Hey, can I, if it's okay with you, can I give you some constructive criticism? And as soon as that person verbalizes it back to you, like, yes, go ahead. It's like, all right, all bets are off. Like, let me tell you why you stink and you're bad. And it's like, okay, but because you said, you know, do I have your permission? You gave it to me. So I always say to somebody is instead of that, and we have a rule in our company, both with uh, No Quit Living, the Positivity Tribe, as well as with my financial companies, is before you can knock something or someone or an idea, you have to offer an alternative or a different suggestion. So going back to what we said about we don't have to be best friends and we don't have to always agree with everything. Instead of me saying, well, that's a terrible idea. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard. I could say, well, what if instead of this, we tried this route? And what happens then is then two or three or five people are having a conversation as opposed to an argument or a fight. Yeah. Well, and, and having been an author, you might under, you might relate to this. It's, it's, it's the editor, right? Recognizing that the editor is, is there to add value to make the book better versus the editor is there to criticize and, and critique. And so when the editor cuts out a paragraph or says, Hey, you need to, this one doesn't make any sense. You have to say, okay, that doesn't make any sense. I have to change it. Or I can just say, no, you're just a, you know, you just don't get it. <laughs> right. But recognizing that the the editor's job, I am paying the editor to make my book better. Just like my role in my marriage is to make my wife better, not not to change her to make her better, but to elevate her and encourage her. And and her role is to help me be better. And so recognizing when she says, I'm not sure you handled that so well, you know, how can I handle it better instead of, you know, so. My wife and I have never been this. It's always been, you know, we're on the same team. So how do we make each other better? It's like that's know, the, that's so valuable. The defense on the sideline, those guys yelling at each other and getting in each other's face and saying, "All right, how can we do this better?" versus, you know, the offense coming over and saying, "Man, you guys are blowing the game for us. We're going to lose." Right? You know, you need to be able to I like how you said, you need to be able to add, you know, add a pointer or, or make a, it's not, it's not just, Hey, this piece is terrible. It's, Hey, I think you could try this and it'll improve, right? How can we improve each other? How can we help each other be better? How can we add value? Yeah, and, no, I agree. And it changes the, it changes the dialogue and, and it is still hard to hear, right? It's, it's hard when your editor sends back the red lines and you're like, <laughs> he hates me. It, no, it's, it's, you're communicating with words. And so you've got, you want your words to, for people to understand it and for the point you're trying to make to get across. Right. And that's where the editor's coming in to, to make it better. Um, and we all need that in our lives. We have, that's the reason coaches exist <laughs> is yeah. to help, help people just, you know, face life better and, and make better choices. Um, but it's, but it's challenging, right? Our, our, our ego gets wound up and our pride gets, <laughs> gets wrapped around it and, and it makes it even more challenging. It's uh yeah no it's 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 difficult to uh, to take it but to your point is is the hope and the realization is that those people in your life want you to be successful and sometimes when you have to understand that and and take that personal 
point of view out and say, okay, this person's not attacking me, but they're just trying to help me. And, and I had that with, with my first book with the editor and going back and forth. And I'm like, with the publisher, I'm like, well, you know, but then I realized I'm like, all right, this person's not saying in those comments, you stink. It's terrible. They're saying, well, do you think you should use this? Or do you think you could use that? And it doesn't mean you have to take that advice either. So that's the other thing I tell people is, but it's, it's good to hear it because you never know what positive impact it could have down the road. Oh, absolutely. Well, and recognizing that the editor is a professional with the English language and I'm certainly not. And so trusting that they're on my team is a really big step. And then trusting that they're trying to help me make the book better is like, okay, I got to let go. Well, I was just about to say, I, I'm, there's grammar and, and those type of things. I, I, I'm I'm an expert in reading it as far as like, okay, I read a book, but um, but in the end, that's also, I think, being good at what you do where the best salesman doesn't always make the best leader, the best player on a team doesn't make you a best um, coach. And I think it's, it's understanding strengths and weaknesses. Absolutely. So let's talk about, I want to, I want to definitely want to talk about routines because you mentioned your planner and I know it has some, some clear valuable routines, but before we get to that, I want to get to how important is play and fun? Oh, if if you can't laugh and, and have fun, I, I, I think you're you're missing the boat. And I think where people kind of struggle with that is, well, there's time and place to be serious. And, and I agree 100 percent. But within each of our days, there's time to have a laugh. There's time to share a funny story. There's times to just, just take things a little bit less insanely. I'm on the go, 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 go. And for me, I'm a big movie guy. I love, I love all different types of movie, but I love having, I love having fun. And, and it's not having fun at somebody else's expense. It's not making mm. fun of somebody. It's, it's having fun. And for me, comedy is something that I've always enjoyed. I was part of a men's improv group in college and it was, it was super fun to do, but I, I think when you look at some of the people that you emulate, I think a lot of them are, are genuinely smiling and, and taking some time every day to have a little fun. And I just think, again, not just during this pandemic, but in general, if this interview was four years ago, if it was five years from now, my answer wouldn't change at all is, is life is very challenging. Life is very difficult. There are amazing moments in life, but within that entire realm, there's time to to have fun and, and smile and laugh and just enjoy enjoy things more so than just always being on and always having to be serious or just no fun whatsoever. Absolutely. So let's talk about routines and, and how have routines helped and, and then how does your journal help in routine? Yeah, I, the for me, one of the big things that I hang my hat on with my clients, all, all areas in life is I found that the most successful people that I've, that I've looked up to or emulated or read upon or followed or, or gone to different programs and things, they have systems, routines, and habits. And when they are in their flow state, many people call it in their green zone, that's when they are operating at their best. And if you ask them, gun to their head, what defines that they say, it's my morning routine, it's my evening routine. I do this at a certain time. I do this when I'm working out, when I'm eating, whatever it is for that person. And I realized a few years ago, 
what if I could help my clients with their systems, routines, and habits? And I want to be very careful here. It's not to tell or to give my clients, okay, this is the system you have to use. This is the habit. This is the routine you must do four times a day, every two hours. No, it's what are you doing now? What do you need to improve on? But the other thing I ask is going back to the in the green zone and the flow state is when you've had your best week or month or fill in the blank, what have you done well? And when you don't feel that, that confident about it, where are those areas that you can improve? And the planner, which is called the clear planner, it's very simple. It's got a morning piece to it. It's got an evening piece to it. It's a calendar planner and journal all in one. It's 13 weeks. And candidly, my partner and I, Dawn, she and I worked on this for the last one to two years. And we probably looked at 20 or 30 different planners in addition to the ones we've used throughout our lives. And we really wanted to make it efficient. We wanted to make it effective, but we also wanted to make it something that people could really put their own spin to it. So there's, there's a bunch of, of blank areas where you can add certain things. So there's, it's not a sales plan or anything like that, but there is a section where, and, and I do a lot of work with sales teams, you can put in and track calls or emails or follow-ups and those type of things. So we really tried to encompass uh, a lot of a lot of different uses for it. And I posted something this afternoon. A college lacrosse player is, is using it, and he gave a fantastic endorsement. And I didn't put that out on social media because I wanted to brag, but I put it out there, and we shared it because we want to be able to show that it's not just about being an entrepreneur or a mother, father, a son, daughter, an athlete, a nana. It's for for anybody that's looking to make an improvement or just continually improve or tweak either their personal or professional life. And it's been, uh, it's been really fascinating. Nice. Well, I definitely like the value of routines and, and so few, everybody talks about a morning routine, but so few talk about the evening routine, which really sets up the morning. <laughs> and I, I believe sets up your, 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 your reticular activating system to work during the night if you just plant one or two seeds at night and allow your brain eight hours to mess with it, pretty cool things happen. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's a great point. And, and I've realized that in the last couple of years with my client, uh, with my podcast, yes, that's a question I ask is do you have a morning routine you swear by? And so many people opened up my eyes completely to, yeah, I do. But I also have an evening routine And the first one or two times you hear it, it's like, okay. But then all of a sudden it's the third, fourth, fifth time you're like, Either I'm not onto something or all these people are onto something and maybe I can learn. And it's been, it's been fascinating. Nice. All right. So what do you love to do with your kids? I love to watch and play different sports. And what I mean, watch is not from uh, watch on TV, meaning I love to watch them play whatever sports they're interested in. I, they follow a bunch of things that I didn't truly enjoy or play. Um, when I was younger, which has been really cool because I'm learning different things, but just watching their interest and seeing them do it. And I think selfishly, it's just keeping them active. I'm, I'm a big believer in this. Don't have a phone or a tablet or a laptop in front of you all the time. And, and I see it. And I'm sure you do all the time. So that's my, my favorite thing. And when we're doing that, it's just fun because we're outside, we're inside, we're in a rink, a court, and we're just enjoying whatever the sport of the season is. So what has been the blessing of being an entrepreneur and raising your family? Flexibility. It, it's the opportunity where my, if my son or daughter or other son has a game at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday, 
I don't need to take a half day or a sick day or, you know, I'll orchestrate my, my calendar and schedule around that. And the other perspective too, is just the opportunity to, I think, teach them model by action, what, what hard work is and not that people who are not entrepreneurs don't work hard. I, I think that some of the people I know are unbelievably um, driven, but for me is, is them seeing that whatever, what I do every day is, is get up and work hard. And that's why they have some of the nice things that they have. And it's just important, I think, to set that, that tone for my kids. Absolutely. So what's the big dream? Big dream, very simple, is to impact as many people as we can. And and sounds super cliche. I don't have a number where it's like got to be a number. But for me, it's just that opportunity, whether it's through the books, podcasts, through speaking, through coaching, and to have that positive impact on as many people as I can, knowing that I poured into them, whether it was just a quote, just a post, or an hour speaking event. But it's just, it's those people have poured into me and I want to be able to, to pay back to other people. Mm, so good. So you've sat for a, a coffee with an entrepreneur for an hour and you want to leave them with Christopher's words of wisdom. What would you share? Oh, that's a great one. Very simple. I, w- I would say is something I, I have stolen from Jocko Willink is it's okay to, to want to give up. It's okay to want to throw in that, that white flag, but just not today. Don't, don't throw it in today. And even if your best today is maybe only 60% because you're tired, you're sore, you didn't sleep well. If your best today is 60%, then give your 100% of your 60%. And maybe tomorrow, a week from now, it'll be difficult, but just don't give up today and give everything that you have today. Oh, so good. Christopher, thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate the great conversation. Appreciate the chance to learn from you. Thank you. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Frank Sinclair and I have a great conversation about starting from nothing, building a business that changes lives and impacts the world. We discuss building great relationships and adding value to the world. And it all begins with love, love for yourself and then love for others.